Is the world we live in today getting worse or better? What do you think? Is the world we live in getting worse or better? What do you think? Don't say it out loud. One more time and then I'm moving on. Is the world we live in getting worse or is it getting better? I want you to hold that thought. I came to tell you today that the kingdom of God is advancing. Amen. I came to tell you today that the kingdom of God is expanding. And that God's intention is to keep that moving until He returns. Now I will tell you that I have some friends in the faith, and, and I don't say that lightly, okay? Because I believe that we are brothers and sisters in the faith, and we don't always agree on every point, right? I have some friends in the faith, and they are very much adamant about the fact that the world is getting worse. You would hear them say almost that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And that there is not much that we can do about it. And that as Christians, our role, because the world is getting worse, is to simply try to make sure that we are not tainted by the world. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody ever felt that before when someone is talking? Is that the world is getting worse. Jesus is going to come back and just take us away from that world. And about the only thing we can do is to just remove ourselves, make sure we don't get tainted by it. And I will tell you this, what you think is really important. That's why we're on this series about mindset. What you think about the world is super important. And I will tell you that I believe that if you will look at the fruit of folks who believe that this world is hopelessly going to get worse, you will typically find this, that those people become disengaged with the world around them. They pull themselves out of the world because they say, that world, nothing can be done about it. And so I'll save myself. And churches say, we'll just pull ourselves out of that environment and we will save ourselves. And then we no longer hear about a gospel of the kingdom. We simply hear, let's just try to get as many people saved as possible. But we don't talk about the kingdom. And the reason we don't talk about the kingdom is because what we're saying is we've given up on the kingdom. We don't believe what God says. And we believe that because the world is getting worse, we are going to become selfish and self-centered. I'll take care of me and mine. Now I want you to hear some verses because these are primary verses that people turn to when they look at a world that is getting worse. And so I don't want to hold any scripture from you. I'm going to read it to you. Is that okay? All right, it's 2 Timothy, it's chapter 3. And you have probably heard these verses. I just want to read a few more for you. All right, sometimes you just stop reading too soon. You ever done that? You stop before you got to the good news? My wife watches Hallmark. Uh, I don't know who said I love it, but I can't stand it. But there's one thing you can be sure of. Just keep watching and the outcome's going to work out. Amen. They're going to fall in love. They're going to get married. Everything's going to be just fine. Every single movie. 
I feel like when we read 2 Corinthians 3, it was like a Hallmark channel that we, we cut off too soon. Listen to what it says. But realize this. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He said, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, come on. Some of y'all been in church long enough to have heard that verse. Yeah, in the last days, difficult times will come. Now listen to what it says. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossip, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, holding to a form of godliness but denying his power. Chris and the praise team said, thanks for wetting our wood. That doesn't sound too appealing, does it? And most people say, well, that sounds just like today. And they'll say, Paul must have been prophesying about today that this world we live in is going to get worse. Listen to what he says, though, in verse 5. Avoid such men as these. (laughs) Did you catch that? Paul writing to Timothy is not prophesying about the future because Timothy is not around to avoid the men of today. Paul says, avoid such men as this. Paul was speaking about a specific group of people who were getting worse. And he said that there was a group out of that that was even going to be worse. In verse 6, that they were going to enter into households and and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led by various impulses, always learning, never able to come into a knowledge of Christ. But if you go on down to 9, that specific group of people that he's talking about, listen to what he says. Verse 9 but they will not make further progress. Amen. They will not make further progress. You, they, those people that wanted you believe that didn't keep reading. They, they didn't read to you verse 9. They stopped and you said, yeah, that sounds about right. What's going on? Do you realize that as long as humanity has been around, people have thought the world is getting worse? As long as we've been around. In fact, I'll read you this. The Smithsonian did something in 1902. Bear with me, I'm getting to the scripture, but I'm going to the Smithsonian for a moment. 1902, they wrote something called uh, Notable Apocalypses that didn't happen. And in that, they said this, that there was a Assyrian tablet written in 2800 B.C. That's a long time ago, if my math is right. And it said on this tablet... The earth is degenerate in these last days. There are signs that the world is speedily coming to an end. Bribery and corruption are common. Children no longer obey their parents. Now, now they carbon dated that tablet apparently and said that they don't think it was written in 2008 B.C. But the point I want to make to this, that at least since 1902, (laughs) people have thought the world is a bad place and it has no trajectory except to get worse now why is that before I get to scripture can I give you a little bit more of this and I'm gonna take you to scripture go and turn to Matthew 13 all right why is it that we tend to see the bad and everything and can't see the good well one is this and I took this out of of all places it's called the New Yorker why is it well one It's hard for us to measure progress on a large scale. It's hard to see what's happening around the world in large scale. And bad news doesn't report large scale. It reports the shooting 
in that neighborhood and the robbery in this neighborhood. Why? Because they know that makes for good news. So they tell us the bad things that are happening. It's hard for them to report on the good. If there's an activist out there and they want us to move with them, if it is to take care of the whales or to take care of the dying animals, they don't show you the happy animals, do you? They show you the starving animals. If they want you to adopt a child in a foreign country, they don't show you one that's doing well. They show you the one that has no food to eat. Because they know that we are motivated by that. This is in the New Yorker. They said, the world lives with the sin of ingratitude. Wow. I thought, Lord, the New Yorker and started preaching. <laughs> huh. We live with the sin of ingratitude. Which means a lot of times, things can be improving for us. We can be actually better off than we were five years ago or ten years ago. And unfortunately, we still aren't happy. Which says that sometimes we simply keep looking for one more thing that we think is going wrong. One more thing that's not right. And we miss a whole host of things that God is doing in us. The New Yorker, they said this, and we're going to see what the Bible says. They said, apparently the world is bad, but it is getting better. And we're going to see if that's true. I, I want to read some statistics into Scripture. Did you know that poverty is actually down in the world? And mostly because I believe of Christians who have taken upon themselves to make sure that the people who are hungry get fed, the people who are in need are taken care of. Poverty's down from 75% of the world was in extreme poverty to now only 10% of the world is in extreme poverty. Hmm. Education. Education used to be something that only the elite, very rich, were able to receive. Do you know that across the world now, 10% can read and write? You say, well, 10% is not much. It's better than a fraction, though. Hmm. Newborn deaths. Just say 100 years ago, it was a 40% likelihood that a newborn baby would die. 40% chance they would die before they reached five years old. Nowadays, that's to a fraction of a percent. Violent crime. Here's an interesting one. Violent crime. The world's violent. That's what the news tells us. That's what our politicians tell us. Do you know over the last 25 years, crime has gone down? Murder rates gone down. Property violence gone down. But you didn't hear that, did you? They didn't tell you that. Uh-uh. Because I think a lot of times people are purveyors of bad news. But now, none of that makes sense or we should even put stock in until we check it out with the Word of God. So can we do that? Then look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 24. There's three parables here. When Jesus is speaking about the kingdom, and when I say that He is speaking exclusively about the kingdom, He gives three parables. He gives a parable of the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. He gives a parable about a mustard seed. We talked about that last week. And he gives a parable about leaven. And I want to take you to each one of those. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it says, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and he sowed 
tares or weeds among the wheat and he went away but when the wheat sprouted and it bore grain then the tares became evident also the slaves of the landowner came and said to him sir did you not sow good seed in your field how then does it have tares and he said to them an enemy has done this the enemy said i mean the slave said to him do you want us then to go and gather them up but he said no for while you were gathering up the tares you may uproot the wheat with them allow both to grow together oh say grow together Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares, bind them in bundles and burn them up, but gather the wheat into the barn. Hmm. Somebody say, hmm. Well, what do we have here? What we have is that Satan sows weeds everywhere God sows wheat. Did you hear that? Everywhere God uh, seeds his wheat, Satan will come along and put the seeds of weeds there. If I can take you back to 1700, John Wesley, who started the Methodist church, he said this, which I think is amazing. He said, wherever there is real fire, there will be strange fire. But if you try to put out the strange fire, you will extinguish the real fire. Yes, sir. He said, so let them both burn and let God sort them out. Yes, sir. Yeah. So it's a mixed bag, y'all. You see, when we want God to set up a kingdom, we want Him to come in and to, to wipe something out, don't we? Just to wipe out evil. But He says it's going to remain and I'm going to let it remain. Why is He going to let it remain? Because He says you cannot often tell if you have wheat or if you have weeds until it starts to bear fruit. Did you see that? You see this Weeds that was sown into that garden, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you pronounce it darnel. And it looked exactly like wheat when it came up out of the ground. And it looked exactly like wheat while it was growing. And so the servants, they say, do you want us to go out and pull it up? Because that's what we want to do as good servants of God, right? We want to find where there's something evil and we want to pull it up. If there's a person, we want to destroy them. And, and we don't have much time for people. And so we're like, God, can we go get them? Hmm? Can we go yank them up out of the ground? Now, come on. Now, Mama, some of y'all done talked about wanting to yank somebody up. Mm-hmm. 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 Some of y'all talked about yanking somebody up. Mm-hmm. You didn't ask God for permission. You know why? Because God said, leave them alone. Leave them alone. And you say, well, why leave them alone? And he says, because you can't be sure what you're looking at is wheat until it bears fruit. And he says, you might pull up out of the ground somebody who really is wheat. You see, what I've learned of being a pastor and watching people over a, a long period of time is somebody might be struggling in life, but if you give them the kingdom long enough, if you love them long enough, you may find that what you thought was somebody who was in rebellion to God becomes one of the mightiest, most dedicated followers of Christ. Yes, sir, yes, 
that you have ever seen. And so God, in His infinite wisdom, says, Humans, you don't know the difference. <laughs> Leave them alone. And I'll harvest them. Hmm. Yeah. So here's what has to happen. You're going to have to leave the good and the bad alone and let it grow together. Which means this, that you're going to have to be able to thrive in the midst of some weeds. I'm going to say that one more time because it felt like I thought y'all got it, but I'm not sure y'all got it. So I'm going to say it again. You are going to have to learn to thrive even in the midst of weeds because they're going to grow together. They're going to grow together at work. <sighs> when you go to work, I know you've been praying for God to get rid of all them people. <laughs> but he said, you don't know the difference. You don't know what's going to come of them. So, Child of God, man of God, woman of God, you are going to have to learn how to thrive at work in the midst of weeds. I felt like I gave a good word right there. All of our young people are back there with Jeff, so you're going to have to tell them this, okay? When your kids get home and they start fussing about school, you're going to have to tell them, child, I'm sorry. But you're going to have to learn to thrive among the weeds. You're going to have to learn to thrive among some students that don't hold your values in life. You're going to have to thrive among some teachers that you don't like. Whenever Caden comes home and says, I got a teacher and I don't quite like him, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Best thing that will ever happen to him. Now, see, as parents, we want to remove them out of that situation. We either want to pluck up the weed or pluck them up and get them out of a bad situation. You know what God says? Just let them grow together. Because your child needs to learn how to thrive in the midst of weeds. Mm. That's your job. Teach them how to thrive. Teach them how to thrive. You got family members. They don't believe what you believe. You got friends. They don't hold your values. You don't even know why you're still friends with them. You're thinking about getting rid of some folks. And there are times you have to remove yourselves from situations. I'm not preaching that message today. The message I'm preaching today is when you want out of something and God says, no, I need you to be able to thrive. Keep on looking. There's another parable. Matthew 13, verse 31. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. You see, Jesus is readjusting the expectations of the people of Israel because they wanted a king to come. They were looking for a king, but they wanted him to come and set up his kingdom. They wanted him to set it up in an instant. They wanted him to defeat all their enemies and they preferred that he do it by next Thursday. Because that's how we pray, right? God, come, come now. And God says, I need to adjust your expectations, Israel. 
I need to let you know that when this kingdom comes, and it is here, Jesus said. He said, it's not coming to be established in a day or in a week. It is coming as a mustard seed because it will be overlooked by everyone and it will have to grow. It is amazing how fast we want people to grow. It is amazing how fast we expect ourselves to grow. We come to Christ and we think He's going to instantly take everything away from us. Right? And we think everything is supposed to be fixed and it's supposed to be fixed now. Could I suggest to you that maybe this parable is a mustard seed is for you? That, that what God is telling you is this, I'm coming, but I'm coming as a mustard seed and I've got to grow in you until I overtake everything. I believe that the mustard seed tells us about what is happening in the world, but it also tells us what is happening inside of us. And so for some of you who are struggling because you sometimes look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm not even sure I'm saved, God. Because all you see is what is left to be un what is left undone. I want to tell you, the mustard seed's got to go grow, child. Calm down. Settle down a little bit. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? You see, that is the greatest indicator right there. Those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Those who have a, a, a poor spirit, that your spirit longs for God. He says, you'll inherit the kingdom. Yeah. Can I just tell y'all, now some of y'all been ridden so hard by the church to get everything just right, and if you didn't, there was something wrong with you, and you better hurry up and get it done by next Thursday. I want to tell you that Jesus dropped a mustard seed into your spirit. Amen. And if you want God, God will grow that seed into a tree that overtakes every garden in your life. Hallelujah. Hmm. Lord, I didn't come up in here to bring some hope this morning. So if y'all didn't want to, if y'all don't want hope, go on and leave. Oh, no, not she's not. That wasn't what she's doing. That wasn't what she's doing. I came to bring hope this morning because you you need hope in your life. The most hope-filled people in life are the ones who will do the most good. One more thing: those people in your life that you're expecting to grow faster and you want them to change quicker than they're changing, you got to settle down. Because if you aren't careful, you're going to pull up wheat out of the ground. you got to let people grow, and you got to be an encourager, and you got to wait and let this thing happen. Because if you do, then the kingdom will advance. <laughs> but there are going to be some days. Can we talk about those for a moment? There are going to be some days. You're going to have some days. In fact, I looked at Jesus' life because I wanted to see if all of His days were good. He had some rough days. He had some days where people were trying to stone Him and He had to slip out in the midst of them. He had some days where He couldn't even go into some communities, some towns, because they were trying to kill Him. He had some days where people invited him over for dinner, but they didn't invite him over because they liked him. 
They invited him over because they wanted to trap him in some words so they could arrest him. Ooh, imagine going to that dinner party. And Jesus went anyway. He went anyway. And there were days where his disciples didn't understand what he was saying. And there were days that his disciples walked away. His closest ones walked away. There, were, there was a day that some people took him and hung him on a cross. And on that day, everybody thought that the kingdom of God lost. <laughs> but three days later, what looked like the ultimate defeat became resurrection life. And the seed of the kingdom that destroyed death, hell, the grave, and Satan arose on that day. Oh, and by the way, that mustard seed that I was talking about, that's the seed. The resurrected Jesus is the seed, and that's in you. So even if you have some rough days, can I tell you that the rough days don't define your life? Yeah. Because the kingdom of God grows like a mustard seed. And I'm so glad that it does. Because in your life, Satan comes over here and he's like, now how in the world can I get at him? Oh, okay, I'm going to stop him over here. But then the Holy Spirit says, well, I don't care because they're growing over here. And then Satan looks over and you're growing over here. And he goes, oh, no, I got to do something about that. And he runs over here and he tries to stop it. But that mustard seed, that bush, it'll climb up over rocks. It'll climb up over walls. It'll climb up over any obstacle that is there. And it'll take that ground. And Satan stands around going, everywhere I turn, whatever I stop, they grow in another direction. Mm. Can I tell you that just because you're stopped in one area, if you could see it from a kingdom perspective, you're probably growing in some others. Yeah. Because the kingdom is expanding. One last one. He talks about leaven. It's in verse 33. It says, He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a, a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leaven. Now, I want you to be careful because in Scripture, leaven is used to describe the religious, the Pharisees. And it's used to describe the corrupt. So more often than not, leaven is used to describe them. But this one place, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like leaven. Does anybody know what leaven is? Yeast. Yeast. Yeah, I know we all buy our bread from the store, but if you, I mean, if you had to make it. <laughs> yeast. He's talking, he's talking about this yeast. And he says that this leaven will leaven the whole loaf. Y'all, despite what the world says, the kingdom of God is expanding. The kingdom of God is expanding on the earth. It is, it is advancing. And the kingdom starts out like leaven inside of us. And let me see if I can describe the process for you. You see, it starts and it begins to change your mind. The way you think. And when you start thinking different... You start having different emotions. You ever notice that? That if you think wrong, your emotions will go wrong. But if you think right, your emotions will, will go right. It's like your emotions are the servant of your mind. Hmm. Hmm. 
Huh? So Jesus says, I'm going to put a little leaven in your thinking. And it'll change the way you think. Which is then going to change the way you feel. Which is then going to create a habit in your life. Oh, you thought you couldn't have nothing but bad habits. Guess what? You can have some good ones too. <laughs> it creates a habit. And then when a habit joins with other people who have similar habits, they create a culture. Mm. And so what I'm saying to you is this. That the kingdom has come like leaven to change the way you think about things. Now, how do you stop or how, do you, how does leaven grow and how do you stop it? Well, here's what you need. And I double checked this with Chris Bender, which I didn't know. His father was a professional baker. I think I did know that, but I forgot about it. But his father was a professional baker. So I double checked this with him and, and I believe this to be accurate. So here's what you need for a loaf to, to grow. One, you need living yeast. Can't use dead yeast. But guess what? The Son of God is alive. You serve a living God, not a dead God. You serve a resurrected King. You have a living Word of God. And that is yeast. It is living. And then it has to be mixed with warm water. So you need some heat. Some of y'all had a little heat this past week. And you didn't like it much. And sometimes when the temperature gets turned up, you don't like it much. And you start praying more. You start praying more. And you ask God to drop the temperature back down. But do you realize that yeast will not start growing until it is in contact with warm water? So can I tell you that all that stuff that you saw as heat and you saw as opposition is the very thing you needed in order for the kingdom of God to grow in your life. You need to think about that one for a minute. The stuff you were trying to avoid is the very heat that was necessary in your life to cause this yeast of the kingdom to grow. If you wasn't in that situation, you wouldn't have grown that way. If you didn't face that obstacle, you wouldn't be as strong as you are today. There are times you want God to turn down the temperature of the water and He's telling you, child, i got yeast in you and I'm trying to activate it. I'm trying to activate it. And then, what you begin to do is you have to, to mix it with flour. Mm. The flour is the world that don't have the yeast. And see, you've been wanting God to take you out of that. I don't know how many times I hear people, Lord, I just want the Lord to take me out of this environment at work because there's just a bunch of heathens there. <laughs> Do you realize that you have to have the area that is not the kingdom for the kingdom to come in that area for the yeast to rise in the bread of the kingdom to be real? Are you tracking with me? You need flour. <laughs> The kingdom of God has to meet the kingdom of darkness so that the kingdom of God overtakes the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Quit running. You didn't want to hear that. Quit running. Quit always hopping and running when it gets hot. You need to stick around and let the yeast bubble up inside. 
And then you got to take that thing and you got to knead that dough. Ouch. You got you to gotta knead that dough. Ouch. You got to work the kingdom into every area of your life that is not the kingdom. Do you feel it? There's this area of your life and you're like, I feel like God is stirring something inside of me and I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. Yes, He's needing the kingdom into that area of your life. Those places where you're feeling some pain are normally the places where God says, that's where I'm needing the kingdom in with what is not the kingdom so that I can bake this loaf in you. Mm. The kingdom of God is like leaven. And then once you have live yeast and you have warm water and you have kneaded it into flour, you got to give it time. You got to have patience. Because what Chris told me was if you mess with the dough too early, you'll mess it up. If you start messing with it, you'll mess it up. If you open the oven door too soon, you'll mess it up. If you, if you get impatient with the yeast rising, you'll mess it up. But if you'll just take that loaf and get the kingdom of God in it, then you can set that thing off to the side. Then nobody can even see that anything is happening. But come back an hour later. And you go, oh my goodness, the dough is risen. And then you can take that sometimes. You can pull it apart and set it in a pan. And then you can leave it there and you can walk away. And it'll rise up in the pan. Do you see that's what Jesus says is happening? Most of the time, though, we get impatient and we open the door or we miss with the dough and we don't realize that the kingdom of God was going to advance because it's leaven. It's got no choice but to rise. Can I tell you? Y'all look at me real good right here. Look at me real good. Can I tell you that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you receive the leaven of the kingdom inside of you. And if you just let him do his work, the leaven will rise. The kingdom will come. And when it comes in you, and you mix in with the world, then it says that you actually change the world, and that's how the kingdom of God comes. So children of God, you've got to keep your hope up. You might even have to repent. Uh, can I end on that? Anytime a preacher starts talking about repenting, you better get you're in trouble. They're they going to start talking about all your sin and, and, and they're going to start working on stuff. You're going to feel uncomfortable. Do you know that the word repent, it really comes down to this one thing. What Jesus was saying was, change your mind. Did you know that? Change your mind. Change your thinking. When he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When he said, Jesus went about preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was saying, people, change your thinking. Stop believing that everything is going to hell in a handbasket. God is going to win in you. 
that the wheat and the weeds are going to grow together. But at the end of the day, God is coming back and He's coming back for a bride. And she's no ordinary bride. She's a spotless bride. Yeah. So let hope arise. When you walk out of here today, you can no longer carry this thing that I'm just going to go away and the world's going to go to hell and I'm just going to take care of myself. Because I tell you what, there is something inside of you that the world needs. I'm going to say that one more time. There's something inside of you that the world needs. It is the, the kingdom. So let it leaven up inside of you. And let it spread to the whole world. Now stand up. Here's the interesting thing about today. <clears throat> there is no, there's no music today at the end. There is no altar call. Don't we love some altar calls? If you're a Christian, let me tell you, if you're not a Christian, let me explain this to you. An altar call, when a bunch of people come down to the altar, it's one of the most great and glorious things for the church. They're like, ooh, God is moving. You should have seen the way God moved. We count the number of people that come down to the altar. I like them myself. But sometimes the kingdom of God is like leaven. You ever seen yeast in a loaf of bread? Hmm. No, you can't see yeast. There are times that some of the most powerful things that God is doing in the world cannot be seen. Sometimes some of the most powerful things that God is doing in a person, it doesn't even, it doesn't, there's no outward expression of it. You can come down to the aisle if you want to, and you're welcome to it. But I want to tell you that if you heard this message, Jesus said, those who have ears, let them hear. Yes, sir. And if you had ears for this message, you know what happened? Jesus has deposited yeast inside of you. And that yeast is going to grow. So you don't need to come down here. All you need is circumstances to challenge the yeast. Let God knead that dough. And God will do that work in you. So let me pray this over you. Is there anybody in this room that believes God will do what He says He will do? Is there anybody in this room that truly believes that God has sown wheat and regardless that the enemy has sown weeds, God will have a harvest? Is there anybody here that believes that the kingdom comes and it is here and yet it came in a mustard seed and so it is growing? And do you believe that this kingdom will become a tree and overtake the garden? Do you believe that the kingdom of God comes as leaven and you can't see it? <laughs> you can't always feel it. But when you receive it, it does a work inside of you. Do you believe that? Yeah, then Father, I pray you stir up the leaven of the kingdom inside of us. God, I pray that our mindset is no longer of doom and gloom, but we believe that the kingdom is advancing and we believe that the kingdom is expanding. And Lord, we want to be a part of that. Do you want to be a part of that? Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> then in the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God is at work in you. And it will leaven you. It's going to leaven the people around you. 
And the world is going to have the gospel preached throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you, can you go out of here and be the most hope-filled people in the room? Whatever room you're in, go and be the most hope-filled people in the room. God bless.